0: You're Thank listening you so too. to A, <laughs> a Mamma Mia podcast From Mamma Mia, hi I'm Claire Murphy Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily Do you rock a red lippy? It seems some of us embrace the color. Wearing a red lip just makes me feel really much more confident and happy.
3: I absolutely love it. Anytime I wear it, I feel like a boss. I love it. It makes me feel great. Red is also an auspicious color for me, being Chinese. So that makes it extra special while
1: others
0: struggle to come to terms with its boldness.
1: I've tried it a couple of times and for some reason I feel like a dragon, but I'm definitely in the minority. When I wore it, it
3: made me feel like an imposter because I'd seen it mainly on glamorous women or older women and I just didn't have the confidence for it.
0: But throughout history, red lipstick has meant much, much more than just a cosmetic choice. It's linked not just to fashion, but feminism. And for many, it's a sign of defiance and sexuality. Today, we explore the complex life of the lipstick colour that continues to not just divide, but define. We've all tried it out at one stage during the evolution of our makeup look. We may have experimented with different shades, different finishes, and brands. Maybe we have one that we use ritually as the one. We're talking about red lipstick. Through the years, red lipstick has meant many things to many people, and not always just to women. It's believed the staining of the lips red was first recorded among Sumerian men, with both men and women in ancient Mesopotamia around 3,500 BC, using a concoction of a paste and crushed semi-precious rocks. Ancient Egyptians were also fond of a red lip, Cleopatra putting a crushed insect and beetle paste with carmine dye on her lips to achieve her perfect ruby shade. Here in Australia, it's believed some Aboriginal girls would paint their mouths red to mark puberty rituals. And while some royal women in history have rocked red, including Queen Elizabeth I, who liked the drama of the bright red lip with her pale white complexion, in the Middle Ages, women who wore makeup were singled out by the church, those who wore lip rouge in particular, as being spiritually immoral. They had to make a choice to wear just enough makeup to attract a husband. But not enough to be rejected by their faith, so the boldness of the red lip fell out of favour. In response to that, though, the colour would then become the calling card of a group of women who lived mostly outside of mainstream church going life sex workers. By the early 1900s, the red lip colour was becoming increasingly too expensive for most. The carmine dye, which is made up of cochineal and insect extract, requires around 70,000 insects to make just one pound of it. But then a synthetic version is created, making red lippy much more affordable. In 1912, the suffragette movement is in full swing. Women fighting for their right to vote would march in the streets of New York, where a young woman had just opened her new salon. She would hand out tubes of red lipstick to those marching and her distinct red lipstick colour would become a symbol of the feminist movement. That salon owner's name? Elizabeth Arden. Dr Jess Cunyell is Senior Lecturer in Humanities at the University of Southern Queensland. She is also Deputy Chair of the USQ Human Research Ethics Committee and the Research Cluster Leader for Identities and Inclusion in the Centre for Heritage and Culture. Jess, red lipstick seems to be so divisive in history. Why does it seem to be associated with harlots and troublemakers? It's just a colour choice. Why does it have so much impact?
1: It's a bold colour on the lips, so it's something that's incredibly visible. You know, there is always that idea of putting lipstick on is associating it with our lady parts and making us think of our vaginas or making other people think of them. So you're wearing it on your face. It's a really kind of visible signifier, but it's a quite ambiguous one as well because on the one hand, it's feminine, but on the other hand, it's powerful. And in a society with particular gendered norms and expectations about how women and how men behave, that kind of combination can make people particularly uncomfortable. So it has been used as a way of signifying that that claim to power, that claim to visibility. And that's been a really quite important thing for women historically. And we're also seeing it for a lot of uh, marginalised gendered groups now as well.
0: Well, let's talk about that because there is now, it seems, more of a movement from women of colour across the globe to claim the red lipstick because they have been essentially kind of left out of that discussion over the years with, say, red lipstick being so closely associated with the suffragettes, for example. How is it now that culture has moved red lipstick into other areas where it's typically kind of been known to be linked to white feminism?
1: Well, makeup as a social practice in general has traditionally marginalised women of colour. So you can consider the ranges of foundation that are now available that weren't previously. So there's been a lot of pushback to try and get greater representation and greater market to women of colour. So that's the kind of the broader context of how that's operated. So even though one of the earliest proponents of a bright red lip, Cleopatra, was a woman of colour, arguably red lipstick has been a white woman's trend. And the reason why that's being overturned now is where for white women it was a protest against patriarchal norms, now it can also be a signifier of a protest against race privilege. So that idea of visibility for these groups that have marginalised social power, the red lip has still taking on that idea of being politically important because of that kind of visibility. There's one uh, Latina comedian who says, the reason why I wear red lipstick is that you focus on my mouth and you hear the words that I'm saying.
0: Right. So is she saying that as a woman of colour, she's essentially been a little bit blanked out or made invisible over the years, but the red lip has made her visible?
1: Absolutely. And so voices from trans and POC communities Reflecting on red lipstick do focus on that idea of its appeal because of that visibility. It's claiming attention. It's daring us to look away, to not acknowledge who's before us, but, you know, saying you need to acknowledge me, to look at their lips, to hear and to listen to what they're saying. So it's that claim to political agency and visibility.
0: It seems Latina women are really taking this on board in many different ways. We saw it in protests and social media protesting too in Nicaragua when they were protesting against the government. We've seen it in Chile, out on the streets, people wearing it to protest against sexual violence. We do see it now on AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the congresswoman who is one of the youngest in amongst a group of very middle-aged white men. Why is it the Latina community is really embracing the red lipstick like that?
1: AOC has become quite iconic for her red lip and she had really practical reasons for choosing it to begin with as part of her signature look. It helped her feel put together and that's a really important part of that appeal to women is that you put on your red lip and suddenly you feel that you're presentable, you put together, but it was also to make her recognisable while she was on the campaign trail to have something that people go, oh, they, you know, that young Latina woman with the red lips. However, she's also stated that it does draw upon her Latina heritage and that for Latina woman in particular, red lipstick has taken on that same symbolism of confidence and power. And that's been a big part of why they've claimed it. You know, again, look at my lips. I'm not being silenced. And that's how it's also functioned in Nicaragua and Chile, where, you know, those protests are against things like sexual and domestic violence, where women's stories and women's experiences can be rendered invisible and silenced and they're, they're bringing attention to that through the use of their red lipstick.
0: Is the red lip as powerful today as it has been, say, in the last 100 years? We've seen so many different communities embrace some incredible makeup trends. We have drag queens doing incredible things. We've got people who do amazing makeup on social media platforms. Is the red lip still standing out amongst all of that?
1: Absolutely. I think that it still has that idea of confidence and power that has carried all through its history from, you know, Cleopatra to Elizabeth I, uh, you know, to AOC today. We associate it with boldness, power, confidence and strength. And so even though we might become more playful with the makeup that we use every day, when you see a red lip, it still means something to us. It's still that claim to visibility. It's still that mark of a confident woman.
0: Red lipstick has had its moments in history since it went from being crushed up insect paste to its sleek modern synthetic version in the metal tube we all know and love today. It's also made its way into fashion design, with some using red lip prints or motifs from Elsa Schiaparelli's designs from the 1930s, incorporating red lips embroidered onto jackets and dresses and turned into hat pins and brooches, to Prada's 2000 spring-summer collection that had a top covered in floaty red lips. Yves Saint Laurent's 2014 collection had sparkly off-the-shoulder red lip tops. And it's not just fashion designers who love the red lip artist Salvador Dali's famous May West surrealist sculpture is a sofa in bold, deep red fashioned after the lips of the actress herself. And, of course, the Rolling Stones' famed Tongue Out logo is protruding from a set of bright red lips. Denny Todorovich is a stylist, activist, writer and co-host of Mamma Mia's fashion podcast, What Are You Wearing?, Denny, how's red lipstick been seen from a designer's point of view? Does it fall in and out of favour along with style trends?
3: Look, I think that red lipstick absolutely has like its moments. But to me, red lipstick is in many ways as classic and timeless as is like a Chanel jacket. So when people say red lipstick, my mind instantly goes to sort of old Hollywood glamour. And I think of people that use beauty and fashion to sort of punctuate their personality. Like red lipstick is not for the faint hearted. And, you know, the color red even has been associated largely through, you know, sex and sexuality and kind of like, you know, the scarlet letter and all of these types of things. So I'm a big fan. It definitely has its like peaks and troughs, but red lipstick is always timeless and you can kind of really never go wrong with it.
0: Where do you think it sits today? Because we've obviously seen colour trends come and go over the years. I mean, as a teenager of the 90s, I went through mm. the brown lipstick stage, which is starting to have a bit of a comeback. So where does red lipstick sit today in the fashion world? Do
3: you know what will be really interesting is what we see at the Oscars? Because I think often events like the Oscars, the Met Gala, they really tend to set beauty trends and largely like fashion aesthetic trends. and you know, if someone walks down the carpet in like a incredible beauty look, it's, it's going to be replicated throughout the rest of the year and sometimes forever more. Right now, I would say that it probably leans in to a more of a classical aesthetic, but it's certainly not as, let's say, classic as the skinny jeans that everyone is trying to cancel and has been trying to cancel for the last two years. To me, a red lip is like the classic sister of, you know, the cooler plum vibe, like plum to me is very cool. Or if we look at what's happening in fashion at the moment, we're having a real resurgence with like the Y2K era. So in Y2K, it was all of those kind of nudes and browns, as you say, was kind of that late 90s, early 2000s moment where almost, you know, I don't really remember much of lipstick in the early 2000s. It was more about eyeshadow and kind of like random hair vibes.
0: I feel like lip gloss was big in the early ooze.
3: Yes, it was. Typically, whenever the world goes through any kind of economic crisis, lipstick sales spike. People see lipstick as, as affordable luxury and sales always tend to like really jumped through the roof. So in COVID, in 2020, lipstick sales jumped more than 80%, which is kind of wild. And also doesn't surprise me at all because my love affair with makeup began in COVID because we had nowhere to go, nothing to do all the time in the world. And I watched a million YouTube and TikTok makeup tutorials and spent so much money on makeup during lockdown because it felt like the only way that I could self-express myself, even if it was just, you know, in my living room or maybe for a Zoom or something. But So that was a really interesting little fact for your listeners.
0: For those of us who've tried and failed to get a red lippy to suit us, how do we go about it? Lee Campbell is Mamma Mia's executive editor and co-host of the You Beauty podcast. Lee, for those of us who are struggling, myself included, how do we pick the right red?
2: Firstly, I can relate to that. As a beauty expert, I still feel strange wearing red lipstick. I put it on and then I forget it's there. I look in the mirror and I go, oh! I'm either, I either look like my mum or I scare myself. So some people just aren't lipstick people and that's fine. But if you want to become a red lipstick person, essentially there's sort of two camps. There's orange-based red lipstick and blue-based red lipstick. And blue-based is universally flattering. It doesn't matter if you've got the paler skin or the darker skin, it's going to flatter you because the blue base is going to make your teeth look whiter, your skin look clearer. However, it can be so hard to know what to look for, particularly if you're going to a chemist warehouse or a price line and you can't play with the product. My recommendation to know what suits you is to head into a department store, your Maya or your David Jones, and speak to someone at a counter, any counter, Chanel, Bobby Brown, Trying in real life is always the best way to find out if a red lipstick suits your complexion.
0: Aren't there some red lipsticks that are just like the iconic? Like I know that Max Ruby Woo is one that people talk about a lot. Is there like a handful of red lipsticks that have just reached iconic status now?
2: there sure is. So MAC Ruby Woo is definitely one of them. You took the words right out of my mouth. Revlon has one. I think it's called Fire and Ice. Estee Lauder has one. Tom Ford makes the most beautiful, true blue-red matte that is just the most sort of red carpet red. So yeah, there are a lot of iconic ones. Having said that, there's lots of really great affordable ones. Strangely, my lips kind of like cheap lipstick. (laughs) The few that I wear are all from really affordable supermarket brands or pharmacy brands. So you don't have to go expensive to get that kind of classic look. You can still get it at an affordable price.
0: Red lipstick is bold, defiant, a statement. It says something about the person wearing it. It cannot be ignored. And it takes a strong woman to pull it off. From icons like Marilyn Monroe, Lucille Ball and Elizabeth Taylor in the 1950s, Tim Curry's Frankenfurter and Rocky Horror Picture Show in the 70s, Jessica Rabbit and Ursula from The Little Mermaid in the 80s, Madonna and Angelica Houston's Morticia Adams in the 90s, Gwen Stefani and Anne Hathaway's Andrea in The Devil Wears Prada in the noughties, Taylor Swift, Rihanna and Janelle Monáe in the 20-teens. Of course, Rihanna's gone on to have her own range of red lippy through her Fenty beauty label. To Michelle Yeoh gracing the pages of Vanity Fair and Zoe Kravitz and Elle Fanning rocking it on the red carpets of the 2020s, the red lip has had iconic moments for decades. So it seems it's here to stay as a symbol of women daring to stand out in the patriarchal crowd. This episode of The Quickie was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane, with audio production by Jacob Brown.
2: Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders,
1: past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.